Greetings in Christ Jesus. Welcome to Carmelite Conversations. We're glad to have you join us. This is Francis Harry, your host. And this is where we talk about prayer, about the Carmelite saints, their teachings for us on growing in this great union with God. So we're glad you're here with us today. We have a presentation um, given by Secular Discalced Carmelite, Teresa Trigstad, where she points out what we can learn about the Holy Spirit's influence on St. Teresa of Avila. From St. Teresa of Avila's own writings, we can get a glimpse of how she would invoke the Holy Spirit to help guide her in writing what became her books. Now we know them as spiritual classics, the book of her life, the way of perfection, interior castle and uh, the book of foundations. St. Teresa of Avila also reflected on the element of water and its connection to what Jesus said about the living water. And of course, you may be familiar with uh, the famous four waters of St. Teresa of Avila where she's describing the progression of prayer. Our presenter then goes into several examples and experiences where the Holy Spirit is especially mentioned in the life of St. Teresa of Avila. As we learn about the Holy Spirit in Teresa's life, we should also ask ourselves, where's the Holy Spirit present in my life? And how am I invoking the Holy Spirit? So now I present to you Teresa Trigstad on the Holy Spirit and in the influence in the life of St. Teresa of Avila. I want to open with a prayer uh, by the, on the Holy Spirit. It's from St. Augustine. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may be all holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I may always be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as Marika had just told you, the title of my presentation is St. Teresa and the Holy Spirit. And last month, we were given a presentation on the Holy Spirit and his role in the Catholic Church in our Carmelite order, kind of a general overview. But today, I want to focus on that Holy Spirit and his influence on our foundress, St. Teresa of Avila. And I'm going to be using uh, examples taken from her books and if the book of her life, The Interior Castle, The Way of Perfection, Soliloquies, um, her spiritual testimonies, and also I found a marvelous paper by a Father Emmanuel Kaniyam Parampil. I hope I said that correctly. He is a Carmelite father, I believe in India, um, and he wrote a paper called The Holy Spirit in the Experience of St. Teresa of Avila. So that has been a source article for me. Even though Teresa discusses the Holy Spirit 
and even experienced mystical visions of the Holy Spirit, she herself did not use the term Holy Spirit to describe his presence in her life very often. Instead, a common word for her day was supernatural, um, to mean beyond the capacity of mere human nature. And that term was used not only by Teresa, but by multiple uh, church theologians at the time. We can define it to mean the direct personal action of the Holy Spirit. The action of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the action of the grace of the Holy Spirit upon us. The word supernatural was often used um, by the theologians and it clearly emphasizes that e these actions were created from beyond us and not by us. The Holy Spirit is the supernatural. Starting with the interior castle, uh, when beginning to write about the fourth mansion, Teresa wrote, now that I commence writing about the fourth ma mansions, it is requisite, as I said, to commend myself to the Holy Spirit and to beg him henceforth to speak for me, that I may be enabled to treat these matters intelligibly. Henceforth, they begin to be supernatural, and it will be most difficult to speak clearly about them unless his majesty undertakes it for me. Contemplation is what Teresa is talking about here, and it is the direct personal action of the Holy Spirit. One must first quiet oneself, then put themselves in prayerful quietness before the Father. Perhaps you use vocal prayer or pictures or meditations or scripture or holy reading, but then a quiet will settle down upon you, and if God wills it, the Holy Spirit will begin to take you where he wants you to go. The Holy Spirit leads us into contemplation. We cannot of our own strength put ourselves there. In her writings and experiences, Teresa utilized many symbols that represent the Holy Spirit. Water, fire, and heat are often used by people who have experienced these workings of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and Jesus himself used these symbols. One of her favorite passages, which was John 4.15 of the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus promises to give us living water. Sir, give me this water that I may never be thirsty, says the Samaritan woman. Teresa herself begged God to give her this living water as well. From the time she was a small child, she actually used to carry about a picture of the woman at the well and she describes how it had the words domine da mihi aquam, which means, Lord, give me water, inscribed on it. In the way of perfection in chapter 19, she says that to pray is to thirst for the water that the Lord offers. Water is a preferred imagery of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Being in the Holy Spirit means being immersed in God. Higher experiences of the stages of prayer are simply being filled with the Holy Experience or the Holy Spirit and experiencing God's love. In the interior castle, Teresa likens the levels of prayer as a water trough. The first three stages need a lot of work. 
through our mortifications and meditations and penances to bring water from a distant source to the garden. But in the higher stages, these waters, graces, are from the Holy Spirit and freely flows from the nearby source that is he who dwells within us and is given freely to us by God. It is not a grace merited by us. We can't earn these graces, but it is the Holy Spirit who comes to fill us with his presence and knowledge. Teresa of Avila also had some mystical experiences of the Holy Spirit. On the eve of Pentecost in 1563, Teresa, after Mass, found a secluded spot and began to read from the writings of Carthusian priests about beginners, proficients, and the perfect, and signs used to recognize whether the Holy Spirit was with them. This she was doing after many years of praying and experiencing God, and to her delight she realized that she had changed a great deal. In fact, she had grown much in her love for God. Suddenly, she felt as if her soul wanted to leave her body, and she felt so weakened she leaned against a wall. Again, suddenly, she saw a dove above her head. Not an earthly dove, but it was much larger and more brilliant, and it was encrusted in shells rather than feathers. She can tell from this, she's having a beautiful vision. It fluttered above her for the space of a Hail Mary. Rather than feeling fear, Teresa experienced great joy. The experience of this rapture remained with her for the rest of the day, and she noted that on other occasions she saw the same dove above the heads of many holy priests that let it be known to her that these men were leading souls to God. And if you want to read more about this, this is from her life, chapter 38. She describes this whole scene quite well. Her very first experience of rapture was actually initiated by one of her spiritual directors. In an account in her life in chapter 24, her spiritual director assured Teresa that her mystical experiences are from the Spirit of God and not the devil. He asked her to make more total detachments, and the one he suggested was abandoning harmful friendships. He suggested she pray the Veni Creator, which is the prayer that we started our meeting off with, so that God might give her light about the best course of action. Teresa writes, One day, having spent a long time in prayer and begging the Lord to help me to please him in all things, I began the hymn. And while saying it, a rapture came upon me so suddenly that it almost carried me out of myself. It was something I could not doubt because it was very obvious. It was the first time the Lord granted me this favor of rapture. I heard the words, No longer do I want you to converse with men, but with angels. This experience terrified me because of the movement of the soul was so powerful and these words were spoken to me deep within the spirit. From that moment, she courageously abandoned all for God. In these two instances, we can see the Holy Spirit giving Teresa true, two of his fruits, joy and courage. According to Teresa, the efforts of the soul to die to self by getting rid of self-love and attachments to earthly things 
can only happen when the Holy Spirit touches and transforms our souls. Our own effort will be fruitless unless it is transformed by the presence and love of the Holy Spirit. In her soliloquies, which are her meditations to God in prayer, Teresa explained that the enkindling love, and note the word enkindling, to be set on fire, is what changes souls to enter deep into God's presence and union with him. She writes, O oh my soul, consider the great delight and great love the Father has in knowing the Son, and the Son in knowing the Father, and the enkindling love with which the Holy Spirit is joined with them. Here the love of the Holy Spirit is likened to fire and warmth. At her transverberation, Teresa once again experienced this holy fire. It was given to her by an angel. She wrote, I saw an angel beside me toward the left side in bodily form. He was not very large, but small, very beautiful. His face so blazing with light that he seemed to be one of the very highest angels who appears all on fire. They must be those called the cherubim. I saw his, in his hands a long dart of gold and at the end of that iron there seemed to be to be a little fire. This, I thought, he thrust through my heart several times, and that it reached my very entrails. As he withdrew it, I thought he would bring them up with it, and left me all burning with the great love of God. So great was the pain that it made me give those moans, and so utter the sweetness that this sharpest of pains gave me, that there was no wanting it to stop, nor is there any contenting of the soul with less than God. And her recollection that you can read on her transverberation is in chapter 19 of the life. The transverberation is commonly referred to as Teresa's entrance in the state of spiritual marriage. This state was described in the saint's seventh mansion in her book, The Interior Castle. It is interesting to note that when St. Teresa's incorruptible heart was preserved, a small puncture site was discovered, thus confirming this precise experience. And this heart is still on display today in Spain. It is a supernatural experience and once again the work of the Holy Spirit. For this spiritual marriage is nothing more and nothing short than knowing the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just as the Father knows the Son, the Son knows the Father, and both know the love of the Holy Spirit. And when you think of the verb to know, here it's used to be in place, to be in union with. Mystical union is experiencing the Holy Trinity in a special way. The three divine persons become a reality in the life of a mystic. In her spiritual testimonies, number 10, Jesus told her, Rejoice in the good that has been given to you, for it is very great. My Father takes his delight in you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Teresa understood this to mean that the Father draws the soul to himself and bestows on us the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Testimonies again, 21, she writes, the person of the Father drew me to himself and spoke very pleasant words. Among them, while showing me what he wanted, he told me, 
I gave you my Son and the Holy Spirit in this Blessed Virgin. What can you give me? In soliloquies, in 15, Teresa wrote again, Woe is me, woe is me. Lord, how long is this exile? And it passes with great sufferings of longing for my God. Lord, what can a soul placed in this prison do? O Jesus, how long is the life of humans, even though it is said to be short? It is short, my God, for gaining through it a life that cannot end, but is very long for the soul that desires to come into the presence of its God. What remedy do you provide for this suffering? There isn't any except when one suffers for you. Teresa explained to us that union with God is not given so that we may be constantly be in the presence of God, perhaps even wishing to forsake our earthly life so that we can eternally be with him, but rather to do his will in all things. The Holy Spirit intends to use us to be the hands, the eyes, the feet of Christ in this world. Our mission in this life is that of being sent out to others, not just living for ourselves. Because of the action of the Holy Spirit, Teresa, along with John of the Cross, set out to reform Carmel, found many monasteries, and they provided all of the church with a source of knowledge about the mystical life in God. Mystical marriage is nothing less than spiritual union with the Trinity. The Holy Spirit will water us, nourish us, and set our hearts on fire to love God completely, living only for Him. In order to do this, though, we must place ourselves before God just as Teresa did, in silence, suffering, and solitude. She made the first steps, but the Holy Spirit took her so much further on that journey. As she lay dying, her last words were, Here you are. Let's go. Get up. It's time to walk. After a life filled with prayer, sacrifice, and mortifications, sufferings and obedience to God and to her superiors, which for Teresa was hard, Teresa finally was granted the joy of complete union with God in eternity. This was accomplished by following the promptings of the Holy Spirit as she fulfilled Christ's question to her, What can you give me? The Holy Spirit is given to us at baptism and is given by the Trinity to help us answer the same question that Christ the Father posed to Teresa and now to all Carmelites. I gave you my Son and the Holy Spirit in this Blessed Virgin. What can you give me? And with that, I would like to end with a prayer. Uh, my pastor introduced this prayer to my parish. We've been saying it every Sunday for almost a year now. Um, it's a prayer by St. Jose Maria Scriva, and uh, we'll start it. Come, Holy Spirit. Enlighten my understanding to know your commands. Strengthen my heart against the wiles of the enemy. Inflame my will. I have heard your voice, and I don't want to harden my heart by resisting, by saying, later, tomorrow, nunc chepi, now, lest there be no tomorrow for me. 
O spirit of truth and wisdom, spirit of understanding and counsel, spirit of joy and peace, I want what you want. I want it because you want it. I want it as you want it. I want it when you want it. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.